Glory to God. Glory to God. Um, man, 12 years of Gospel Revolution Church. Today. Yeah. So, hallelujah, man. And, uh, man, yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's a miracle. And so I want to thank all you guys for all your support, all your prayers, all your love, all your friendship. We couldn't be here without all of you guys. And it's miraculous that we're here. And the... The connections that have been made all over the world and the the word that's been sowed all over the earth that's been multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. It, it's just a beautiful thing. And and so, man, I can't say thank you to all of you enough for, what, for what's happened here, for the role you guys have played and God being able to do what he's done in this place. It's... Uh, it it's no small thing to me. I, I kind of stand in awe of how it's all come together and, and everything that God has done systematically as it's done everybody. It's 12 years now. Gospel Revolution Church. Oh, wow. Since the start of uh, the church. And so, yeah, it's really a credit to you guys that you could walk with me this long. <laughs> and really, pretty much all of you have been walking with us for pretty much the whole time. And so, glory to God for that. Anybody have anything they want to say about that? You don't have to. Oh, God, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. We could never thank you enough. Thank you. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. I'd say something, but I never heard a word he said. I just walked out. It's 12, <laughs> 12 years. Oh, it's the 12 church. years. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, 12 cool. years. Nice. It's amazing. I was 35 wow. when we came and started here. Wow. Mm. That is crazy. It is. That is crazy. Yeah. You're only 47. 47. I'm 47. 47. Yeah. I don't feel a day older than 21. <laughs> Except my body keeps telling me that I am. But my brain is like, you're the same. You're the same. Same here, Greg. Same here. Same with you, right? How are you? any older than you. Yeah. That's it. Glory to God. So, all this healing stuff. We've been talking about the uh, the anatomy of healing, the anatomy of a miracle, mm. right? And wh- why do you crack something open? You crack it open to be able to understand, it, mm-hmm. right? And so, in understanding the anatomy of, of healing and the anatomy of a miracle, what it will do is it will heal people from the unbelief that's been planted in them through the way we've taught healing and through the way we've taught signs, wonders, and miracles. Mm. Um, Because the way we've taught those things has actually filled people with unbelief, right? Mm. And so it's quite an amazing thing. You could take something that is good and has some glory, and then depending on how you want to express those things or put them on display in front of people, you could actually fill people with unbelief. You can actually fill people's bellies with corruptible flesh, right? You you can actually do that, right? And so when we talk about unbelief, I'm not sure most people even understand what unbelief is. Uh, unbelief is to make much of the strength in the weakness of our flesh. I'm going to say that again because there's a bunch of words in there. Mm. Unbelief is to exalt the strength of the weakness you see in your own body. 
It's for you to look at the weakness you see in your own body, whether it be an inability to perform something, whether it be a physical illness, whether it be an injury, whether it be a disease. It's to look at that and for the that's a weakness. Mm -hmm. That's what we would call a weakness in these bodies. Mm -hmm. It's to look at that and for the strength that you see in that thing to steal from you, to keep you from life, to mm -hmm. take from you. To cast you down is to look at that and for the strength in that thing to steal, kill, and destroy you to be exalted in your sight. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and, and then what's happened is, is, is we've done that. We've, we, we've basically exalted sin and death in everyone's eyes. Mm -hmm. Like this thing is powerful. This weakness that can come alive in your mortal body, it is strong. Right? It can steal from you. It can kill you. It can keep you from life. It can. It can. It can. And so we make it this big boogeyman in our eyes, right? And, and then what we say is, but we have these signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah. And we can exercise our authority to bring that about, and that can keep sin and death from stealing, killing, and destroying you. Right? Do, do, you, see, do you see that dynamic? Do you mm -hmm. see what we've done there? And, and see, what we've done is, is we've actually got people looking on the life that's in the world that sets people's affection on the life that's in the world because it's the life that the world has fathered through sin that can be stolen from that can be killed that can be destroyed mm. the whole work of the gospel is that god saw our lives were born from that our lives were born from the dust of the ground and therefore were subject to corruption. Sin and death was able to reign over us. God saw that and what God come and did is he come and removed the reign of death from over our lives. He liberated our lives from being held in the world and he got it right to hide our lives in the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, what we see is that sin and death has been completely overcome. That sickness and disease has been purged inside of his body. The, the life that's inside of Jesus Christ can't be stolen from. It can't be uh, torn down. It can't be destroyed. It can't be killed, the life that we see in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the life we have, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is we've come and described our life as if we still have the life of the old man. Because I promise you, God hasn't come down and sat down with all of the church and sat in our midst and said, listen, guys, it's true. Sickness and disease can steal and kill and destroy you. Sickness and disease can keep you from your destiny. God ain't said that. God come and said, in me is a life that can't be stolen from. In me is a life that can't be added to or subtracted from. In me is a life that can't be corrupted by sin and death. Sin and death cannot keep my life down. Sickness and disease and injury cannot keep my life down, right? And then he showed us, look at what I can do, <laughs> right? And that's the resurrection. So we could start to think about what kind of a life this dude has that is our life, right? Mm -hmm. So that our minds could be filled with that. Because I promise you, the power behind any healing, any miracle, any sign, any wonder, the power behind those things is the faith and the life that was revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the strength is. And so we're supposed to have our minds and our eyes fixed on that life and fixed on that faith. Because within those things is the power of God unto salvation. But what we've done is we've fixed our eyes on the weakness of these mortal bodies and the strength that's in the weakness of these mortal bodies to steal from us. 
That's what we've done. And so now our minds have been filled with weakness. Our minds have been filled with human ability. Our minds have been filled with what we're going to do to take our authority to bring forth life. And that's right back into living in the house of Pharaoh. Where we, where we want to make the strength of our flesh the food that can give us life. And we're going to put our strength to the, 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 the metal. I don't know what you want to call it. We're going to put our strength to work in order to bring about life. And now we're carrying the burden on our own backs to have life, right? Mm -hmm. By perfecting ourselves, the life we have in the world, right? And if we can perfect our lives in the world enough, then that can keep our lives from being stolen from, from being killed, from being destroyed. You see, that's the foundation that we have preached signs, wonders, and miracles. Mm -hmm. And it, it's put unbelief in people. And I want I want everybody to understand what unbelief is. Because unbelief, we tend to, and we tend to do this with everything. We tend to define things based on the fruit instead of the root. Mm -hmm. So we look at unbelief and, and we look at what it can produce in somebody instead of, well, what is it that caused that to happen in them? Right? And so if you look at Abraham in Romans chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, this is talking about Abraham. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. He considered not his own body now dead. Do, do you see what it's saying there? Yeah, yeah. He was not considering the weakness he saw in his mortal body. Even though it's already happened. Even though what's already happened? The weakness in his body. Yes. The, oh, no, the weakness is there. Right. Yeah, he's it wasn't aware. like he couldn't see the weakness. Oh, no, he saw it. Yeah. Right. He dis disregarded it. Abraham saw it. And I want to take the whole life of Abraham. And you're right, Dad. Abraham was having some unbelief. Not unbelief in God, but unbelief in the life of God. Abraham, in the beginning of his life, was very much like the body of Christ. Right. Like large sections of the church. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is that uh, they believe God. Right. And so it was counted to them for righteousness. Right. So they believed on the Lord Jesus and it was counted to them for righteousness. But Abraham, there was some unbelief in Abraham, because when God come and told Abraham, you're the father of many nations. Right. And he, and he, he told Abraham, you'll be exceedingly fruitful and all these different kinds of things. You know what Abraham said? What shall you give me, Lord? Now, you see, that's a result of looking at the weakness you see in your own body right. and the weakness or the strength of that weakness being exalted in your sight. Yep. Where you're not considering the life of God and the life that God has in himself. And listen, one of the things God demonstrated in the resurrection is that his life is almighty. Right? And so Abraham was actually worshiping the weakness he saw in his own body. Mm. And he saw the weakness he saw in his own body. He saw the strength of that weakness to keep him from having life as being greater than God in the life God has in himself. So he comes and says, what can you give me, Lord? How can I partake of life? How can I be exceedingly fruitful? How can I be any of these things considering the deadness in my body? You see what he's considering there? Okay, well, that's how the church has taught signs, wonders, and miracles. From the perspective of considering the death we see and the sickness we see and the disease we see instead of considering the life that's in God that is almighty.
Right. right? You know, he even brought up, like, since I have no heir. Like, he didn't even accept... That's that, what he's talking about. Yeah. The he, dentist. He didn't even accept that he would live. Like, like the only way for me to live is through my heirs or something. That's what, he, that's what everybody thought back then. That's how... And it still goes on today. Like immortality. Yeah. Immortality is found through you having a male heir. Why do you think so many times in history, people are all like, you got to have a boy. You got to have a boy. How is the name going to carry on? The name carrying on was you carrying on. Yeah, right. And that was man's attempt to try to have immortality right. without God. Right. And so this Abraham was doing the same thing. Listen to what it says about Abraham, though. And being not weak in faith. Okay? So what that means is, is that he had the faith of God. Right? That means if you have the faith of God, guess what you're not considering? You're not considering the power of the sickness to steal from you. You're not considering the power of the deadness you see to keep you from life. You're not thinking that this ailment, this injury, this thing that's manifested in my mortal body has any power to keep me from life. That's what it means to be strong in faith. Right? You're considering the faith of God. I mean, what does Jesus say? Have the faith of God. Right? And if you have the faith of God, what does it say? The mountain will be removed. And so look what Abraham, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Do you see where it says faith comes from? Not considering the weakness, the deadness you see in your own body, but considering God and the life God has in himself. You following? Yeah. yeah. You see that? Yeah. When he was a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Deadness everywhere. There's only deadness in the camp. But it says Abraham had the faith of God. Well, what's the faith of God? I mean, people think, well, why does God have faith? Do you know what the faith of God is? Because if you're thinking, how does God have faith? You want to you know what God believes? God believes that he has a life that can't be stolen from him. God believes he has a life that can't be made to bow down by the weakness or the sin and death that's in the world. He believes he's got an incorruptible life. He believes he's got a life that makes sin and death bow down. He believes he's got a life that can purge spots and blemishes from even a body that's full of death. He believes he's got a life that can make a dead body so alive that it even becomes able to minister life to all the other dead people in the world. That's the faith of God. That's the kind of faith that removes a mountain, right? And the mountain that it removes, the mountain in the, the scriptures there is talking about Babylon and the system of death that Babylon brought into the earth. That's the mountain that's to be removed. It's the plague that's in Babylon, right? That's the faith of God. And God came to give us that same faith. Do you know how he came to give us that same faith? He doesn't just say, here's my faith. He puts his life on display, and he comes and says, I'm here to give you my life. And now you begin to think about the life you have in yourself the same way God thinks about the life he has in himself. And now you start walking in the world with his life exalted in your sight in the strength of that life to even lord it over sin and death in the flesh. And you're no longer considering the sickness or the weakness or the injury as if those things are almighty and those things are greater than the power of God or the life of God to bring forth life in you. Right? Wow. You see that? Yeah. You see what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. So this isn't about how we despise these signs, wonders, and miracles. But those things are not the bread from heaven. And what we've done is we've tried to manipulate getting those things to happen by convincing people that they can kill you. 
But Jesus said, those who believe on me can't die. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. So we're, we're it's the anatomy of a miracle so we can understand how to look at these things, understand the power behind any miracle coming forth so we can have our mind filled with that which has the power to heal, that which has the power, right? To where we're not judging our lives by signs, wonders, and miracles, but neither are we exempting ourselves from being able to see them come to pass. Do you see? Because, listen, a mind caught up into the heavenly place, they're not even thinking of trying to get a sign, wonder, and a miracle. But I tell you what else they're not doing. They're not trying to despise a sign, a wonder, and a miracle either. They're just walking around with an incorruptible life lifted up in their sight. And that's what they're all the time talking about. That's what they're all the time feeding on. That's what they're all the time declaring. And whatever will come forth from that, well, then glory to God. Right? But you don't judge your life by the signs, wonders, and miracles you can see manifest when you're believing that you have the life of God. Because then you have the faith of God, right? And no lack can tell you, or there's no thing in the world that can tell you you lack what you need for life to try to compel you to have a sign, wonder, or miracle. That's why when they tried to make Jesus perform a sign, he didn't do it. Have the faith of God. I don't need to perform a sign to prove that I have life. Or to prove there's life in me. Because life doesn't prove it's life. Right? Life just is. Right. I am. Right. Right. You see this dynamic? You guys tracking with what we're talking about here? Yeah. So look what he goes on to say. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Look what it says. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Through unbelief. We're staggering at the promised life when we come and say that sickness, disease, and injury can steal, kill, and destroy a believer. We're staggering at the promised life when we say those things, and it's because of unbelief. It's because we're considering the weakness we see in ourselves We're considering the strength of the sickness or the disease or the injury we see in ourselves, and we're considering those things to be almighty over the life God's given us as a gift through Jesus. Yeah, wow. Right? You see that dynamic? The the Israelites, was it the 10 spies they sent out? Right? 12. 10 of them, it's 10 that didn't, 10 of them didn't think they could take the land. And it says it was because of unbelief. Now, the unbelief isn't that they didn't believe God was there because they knew God was there. The unbelief is they didn't consider the life that was in God to take the land and to give them the land. They considered their own deadness. They considered the weakness they saw in themselves and they exalted the weakness they saw in themselves above the strength that's in God's life. And so they went away thinking about their weakness. Right? Right? This world is trying to make everyone think about the weakness they see in their own lives. Like Lacey, you were talking about the the business venture you're doing and the pressure and the stress you can feel, right? From all those things coming upon you, right? There's a weakness you're feeling there. It's because you're considering a potential inability Mm -hmm. to perform a certain task. Right? Do you know if you had a glorified body, though, that you could think about all those thoughts and not feel weak at all? 
Mm. Right? The, the reason why you feel weakness isn't actually the, the circumstance. It's that your mortal body has the ability to feel weakness. And now what it's trying to do is to make you to consider the weakness you feel. Consider where is the weakness coming from. And now your mind is twisting on the weakness and the inability and the potential for death and the potential for disaster. Instead of your mind being filled with the life that was in God, that is in God, that was in the Lord Jesus, that even caused him to come out of the grave, right? And so it's fill, trying to fill you with unbelief. And that's not to pick on you. That's what it's trying to do to everybody. It says you were just talking about it. So it's the easiest example. That's what it's trying to do to all of us. And sickness, disease, and injury is trying to be exalted in your sight. It wants you to worship it. That's what it wants to do. It wants to convince you that it is the Almighty and that it has the power to steal from you. But the whole gospel is God coming to do something where nothing could steal from you ever again. He come to give you a life that can't be stolen from. So that when you encounter the things in this world, whether it be injury, whether it be sickness, whether it be disease, whether it be pressure in work, whether it be pressure in life, whether it be pressure in family, what could happen then is his life could be exalted in your sight. And you could have the faith of God, which is you would engage and encounter and walk through these things knowing you got a life that can't be stolen from. Knowing you got a life that lords it over even death, even over the grave. You got a life in you that can even purge death from the body. And now you're going with the strength of God, right? And you're facing these things with the strength of God, the power of his life. And you know what happens? The mountain will be removed. <laughs> Jesus had the faith of God when he was on the cross. And the mountain was removed, wasn't it? Yeah. And what was the faith of God? Not even the death of this cross can steal from the life that I have from the Father. <laughs> even should the death of this cross come upon me, even should it take me into the grave, the life the Father has in himself that I share with him from the beginning, that he's given that I could have even inside of this mortal body that can perish, that life can even lord it over sin and death. That life is so much that it can't be stolen from. That life is so much that it's like the liquid terminator, that when it took a bullet, it just whoop, whomp, swallowed it, and it's just normal again. That's Jesus had the faith of God, right? The faith of God. I, I want everybody to, to, to think on this. The faith of God is that he knows what kind of life he has in himself. He believes in the life he has in himself. It's not, it sounds weird to say it that way because how can a guy believe in himself, right? And, and so we, we can get it twisted in our thinking. And so it can be a complex philosophical sounding thought, but it's not. God believes in the life he has in himself. Yeah. That's what's exalted in God's eyes. Look at this life we share. Look at this life can do. Right? And now he sees that we have had sin and death exalted in our sight. And we fill people with unbelief, and then we come and preach miracles. Right? And so we're making people more sick than they already were because we're telling them, that it's the devil that would come and say, yes, it's true. Sickness and disease can steal from you. Right. right? And then we come and say, but it's not God's will for you to be sick. And if you could use your faith enough, you can prove you're a son by manifesting a miracle. And that can be your salvation. That's what we've said to people. Or they'll even go the other way and go, well, God may not will you to be healed now. 
That, again, it's not understanding. Yeah. See, right, a right. mind caught up in heaven wouldn't go to either side. Either a side. mind caught up in heaven would come, and if they found a person that was struggling with an infirmity or an ailment or a sickness, they would come with something that sounded like, I have good news for you. The Father has a life in himself that can't die. The Father has a life in himself that can't be stolen from. Right. And the Father has given that you could have this same life in yourself. He has sent his son. He has sent his word to provide himself as the lamb so there could be a table of life prepared for you in your midst and you could feed on the life he has in himself. And that can be your nutrients. That can be your treatment. That can be your medicine as you're dealing with this sickness, right? And then receive strength in the name of Jesus. Every spot and blemish that's come upon you has been purged in the body of the Lord Jesus. This sickness can't steal from you. This sickness can't take from you. Be whole. You're made whole in the name of Jesus. Right? And you start talking like that. You start talking about how God has removed the reign or the ability of sickness to reign over your life. Because he's given you a life that even lords it over death. And that's what you would come and tell a sick person. Right. You would come and show them the table that the Father prepared. So they can start feeding from the table, feeding from the table, feeding from the table. And now whatever it is that life is going to do, whether it be to heal their spirit, whether it be to heal their soul, whether it be to heal their body, whether it be heal all three, whether it to heal one first, then the second, then the third. Listen, man, we're not busy worrying about it because we have a life that can't die. That's right. You see? He that believeth shall not make haste. Mm. Does everybody following that? Yeah. The way this works? Linda, I'm sure you're not following. I'm joking. <laughs> it's a joke. Sue's going to join us sometime. It's a joke. I'm messing with you. You know, I, I actually saw this play out at, at one of the men's weekends where it was like they were praying over someone that asked to be prayed over. And it was almost like they had two different camps that that came in to speak a word over the guy. And, and it was like, well, one, we were, you know, the Pentecostal side of it, you know, signs and wonders. It was like, believe, believe. And then the other one came at it with the more, I don't know, Calvinistic approach. It may not be your time, you know, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, it, it caused division. I mean, it was like, Ooh, what was that? And I mean, even then at that time, I just went, this is not okay. And, and, you know, I went back to that guy after just to settle the, the dust. And I, and I told him about my experience about you can dwell on life or you can dwell on death. And I said, there's only one thing that can move you, and that is to dwell on the life, not the death. Don't be moved by death. Because that was like really, it, it was my latest smack in the head, you know, um, lesson. And, and that is all I was able to speak. But to see it crack open like this now, I, I see even more that, shoot, there's, there's times in my own thinking, I'm going, well, I only have so much time here. Now's the time for me to influence and infect. Uh, you know, and I, I'm like, boy, even that's stupid. Those are the thoughts of mere mortal men. Yep. yep. And those are the thoughts that are born from the earth. Yep. And there's no shame that we can think of. 
But listen, man, we want to start having the gift of discerning of spirits come alive inside of us where we could start to see the way that a mortal life would talk or the old man would speak and the way the new man would speak. Because we see Jesus speaking in ways that would completely confound the traditional thinking in the world, which is that you can't die. Or when he tells the disciples, yes, it's true. You have power in me. You have power to tread on the serpents. You have power over every unclean spirit and over every devil. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. But they were all martyred. (laughs) But Jesus didn't consider that them being hurt. Why not? Why didn't he? We shouldn't. We shouldn't. See, in the old days, what we tried to do is we tried to work up faith ourselves. Just step out. Instead of being busy with the faith of God, have the faith of God. The faith of God will rise up inside of you. The power of an indestructible life will rise up inside of you. Jesus didn't consider them being martyred, them being hurt. Why not? Why not? He knew it wasn't right for them to be martyred. He bowed his head. He stood in honor of Stephen. I mean, the scripture says that he's seated at the right hand of God, not standing. And when they were about to stone Stephen, Stephen says, I see the Son of Man standing. And you know what Jesus was doing? He was honoring Stephen. He had the faith of God. Stephen was not considering the ability of those stones to take life from him. He was considering the life that he saw manifest in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he received strength. Just like Abraham, he staggered not at the promise by looking at the power of the stones to kill him, but he was strong in faith, having the faith of God, knowing the life of God was dwelling in him, knowing death had nothing in him, nothing on him, that those stones couldn't hurt him, right? And then he does what he does, right? And listen, people can argue about this if they want, and so I'm not trying to teach some doctrine, but you could argue that Stephen doing that is what set the whole church in motion because Saul was standing there. Yeah, yep. yeah. And Saul was like, what did I just see? Right. 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 And Paul went and flipped the whole world upside down. Yep. And that's where it began. Right. right? right. There's another place where Paul goes to talking about Abraham, and he doesn't, in this particular passage, he doesn't expound on it like he did in Romans. But now that the expounding that's done in Romans is fresh on our minds, keep that in mind as I read this. In Galatians 3.1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you, received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness? Yeah. He's telling them to have the faith of God. Yeah. (laughs) He's telling them it's the faith of God that work miracles in your midst, yeah. right? It's the faith of God that moved the mountain of death mm. out of the way at the cross and the, and the resurrection. Mm. Mm. Do you guys see that? Yeah. 
And I'm sorry for you guys sitting next to me because I'm animated this morning. Good <laughs> energy back. feel, right? But right in this era. It's the spirit, uh, it's the spirit of a young man. <laughs> yes. yes. When I wore spirit a younger life. man's clothes. <laughs> you guys might think I was strange when you saw me in the clothes I wore as a younger man. I had platinum hair and all kinds of goofy stuff. Um, I'd like to throw something yeah, in yeah. the mix. In, in that numbers part where it talks about the spies going into the land. They were Moses told them to go in mm -hmm. and study out the land and come back and give us a report. Well, all but two of the spies came back, and the larger group gave a bad report to the people and said, "Yeah, there's a lot of really big good stuff in there, but there's giants, giants that live in the yeah. land, and they're going to kill us all." And so that word went throughout the camp. And all the people got fear, fearful and scared, and they didn't know what to do anymore. Yeah. And so they came to Moses and started complaining and trying to get him to give them the right direction. And, of course, Moses got upset with the people, and he went and talked to God about it. And uh, he said, the men that went have convinced the people that they'll, go, they'll die if they go in there. And God said, that's right. He said, the reason is, is that when they go in there, they're not taking me with them. Yeah. He said, if they don't take me with them, they will die. Yeah. Uh -huh. So he says, tell the people not to go. Yeah. They were going to go another direction, kind of back into the wilderness again. Yeah, after they told them they wouldn't get the land, they no, no, we'll go, we'll go. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. When and they heard what was going to happen, and they were going to go wander some more. They said, oh, no, we'll go, we'll go. And God told Moses, that ain't going to work. Yeah. They're still not taking me with them. They'll go up and they'll get killed. And yeah. so Moses told them that, and they wouldn't hear of it. Mm. They picked up their stuff, and they charged in there, and they got wiped out. Yeah. And it was because of their unbelief that God would take care of them, that God would protect them. Yeah. God was leading them in there. They didn't believe it. When God told them the first time, and then when they all rejected it, and they found out they couldn't go in, then they thought they could scare their way in or something. You know, let's create a lot of fear, and we'll we'll go in that way. No, it's the stepping out of faith. Yeah, that we've exactly. been taught. Mm -hmm. Just step out in faith, brother. Yeah. See, right. Yeah. You don't really believe, but just step out in faith. Yeah. <laughs> right. God will meet you after you step out yeah, in your right. unbelief. That's exactly the point. <laughs> You know, bring it across here because mm. you can't muster up fake faith. Bingo. You can't. No, you have to see the life of God. Yes. Mm. And you got to take it with you. you well, when, when you see the life of God, it will be with you. Right. When you're considering the life of God, it will be with you. I'm glad you mentioned those passages because mm. it's interesting. Because I think the spy says, the spies, the ten spies come back and say, we are not able to take the land. Notice how they said we are not able to take the land. Well, Joshua and Caleb came back and said, God is able to give us the land. Yeah. Do, do you see the difference between right. what the two yeah. people were right. considering? Right. Right. Yeah. right? I like where Paul says this in uh, 2 Corinthians. He says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Yeah. Mm. You know, and, you know, plenty of uh, our perception of our weakness is based on the fact that we are weak. That there is weakness in our flesh, in our bodies. We're getting old, all this stuff. You know, we may have lack of capacities to 
to do everything we think we would like to do. That, mm -hmm. that some of that's real, but the thing that encumbers us and keeps us from like really excelling and doing uh, well in life, functioning well in life, is our forgetting that God is our sufficiency and is our strength. Yeah. And when you know that God is your sufficiency and your strength, you begin to like disesteem the weakness yep. and operate out of a, a, a life that's that's greater than your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want to operate out right, of a life right. that's greater than your own. Right. Absolutely. You know? Right. And and thinking of your own sufficiency isn't just thinking of your own strength. Yeah. It could be thinking of the your own weakness like we're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is Absolutely. what would fill you with unbelief. Mm -hmm. Is if you're considering Right. Your own death or your own weakness or your own ailment or your own sickness. And you think that can steal something from you, right. right? Well, what happened is you, in, in those plates, you would want to lay hold of eternal life, right? And I think the problem for people with, with that, I don't even want to call it a concept. It's like a pillar of Christianity, the faith, <laughs> the way. Mm -hmm. The problem for people in laying hold of eternal life and the way that would, would, would benefit their lives is most of us think laying hold of eternal life is talking about a destination. Yeah. And whether you're going to be like in heaven one, one day, day or yeah. you're going to be in hell one day. Right. But eternal life is not a destination. It's, it's a talking mind. about a kind of a life. Yeah. And so when you're talking about laying hold of eternal life, it's not talking about where you're going to be one day. Yes, the poor in spirit, the meek, those who mourn, those who see God's eyes are full of mercy, we're going to inherit a glorified earth. We're going to inherit glorified immortal bodies. That's all true. But eternal life is talking about the, a kind of a life, right? And so you have a corruptible life and you have an incorruptible life. And so when it talks about laying hold of eternal life, it's talking about letting your mind be filled with the life that God has in himself yeah. and thinking about that life, right? When you think about life or when you're laying hold of it, grab a hold of eternal life, grab a hold of the eternal life that has even come and laid hold of you, mm. right? And now you start talking to yourself, being encouraged in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord, mm. the psalmist would say. Do you know how you encourage yourself in the Lord? You start thinking about the life the Lord has in himself. Right? You know what you'll be filled with all of a sudden? The faith of God. Do you know what you'll find being removed? The plague in Babylon. You'll find the mountain that you thought was in front of you. You'll find it being cast into the sea. Right? And you'll find yourself being animated by the power of an indestructible life. That's what Paul would say. It was the grace of God that labored in me. Right? He said he was crucified with Christ. Right. He's dead to the world and the world to him. Right? He's no longer thinking of the life that's in the world, the corruptible flesh that's in the world, the weakness that's in the life that's in the world. And he says, it's Christ who's living in me. It's the very life of God that I saw manifest in Jesus that is now the power behind my life. I've laid hold of eternal life. When I think of my life, I think of the life the Father has in himself. Right? And now the faith of God has filled me. And within that faith of God is the grace of God. And now it's the grace of God that's animating my life as I walk in this world. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Because I am God's workmanship. Right. You see? Mm -hmm. You see how all that works? Yeah. Right? So we made people sick. Uh. By drink we, we've given them the cup of the world. And then they've drinking co the condemnation the world stands in into themselves. Do you know the condemnation the world stands in? They have a life that can die. Yep. They have a life that can be stolen from. They have a life that can be destroyed. They have a life. Wow. That can be lorded over. Right, right. They have a life that sickness and death and disease can reign over it. They have a life that a government 
can destroy and hurt. Yeah. That's the condemnation that the world stands in. Right. Because when you think that's the kind of life you have, and when it is the kind of life you have, listen, man, that will fill you with condemnation, death. That will fill you with, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall save me from this body of death? But God already did save us from the body that can die. He already did. And now we're preaching signs, wonders, and miracles as if he didn't save us from the body that can die. But he's given us now authority to perform miracles. And if we can perform miracles, then those miracles can save us from the body that can die. Oops. And that's corrupt. And it's full of the poison of asps. And it's got people worshiping signs, wonders, and miracles, worshiping sickness and death, worshiping the life that's in the world, worshiping the old man, instead of worshiping God. Right? Right. And that's why we're doing this. Right? I promise you guys, the power behind every miraculous thing you read in the Bible, the power behind every sign you see manifest, the power behind every healing you see manifest, is the faith and the life revealed in the Lord Jesus. So we don't seek the signs because we're not ignorant. We know what brought forth those things. So now we fix our eyes on the power that brought them forth, not the things as if the things are the power. The things are not the power. The things don't produce themselves. Something produces them. And so let us now fix our eyes on that which produces them. Let us now fix our eyes on the faith of God, the life of God that even moves a mountain into the sea. Let us fix our eyes on that. That will keep our whole spirit, souls, and bodies as we walk in this earth, right? And when we come across somebody that's sick, do you know what we'll have? It'll be like we have the the bread of life. We will have the bread of life. You know, just like communion, the body of Christ. We'll actually have the body of Christ to offer somebody who's struggling with the sickness. And do you know what the body of Christ is? That Christ shed his blood to remove the reign of a body that can die from over your life. Right? And now he has given you his own body that's been clothed in incorruptible flesh for you to feed on that life, the body of Christ. Right? right? And now what happens is, is they can be partaking of the wholeness that is in the life of God. And now they can start having wholeness ministered to them in the faith, face of sickness and death, trying to puff itself up, trying to boast in its strength to steal from them. They can have the wholeness come alive inside of them that comes from a life that can't be stolen from. And now they can receive strength. From their in their mortal bodies. Right? Because they're feeding on the true bread from heaven, the body of Christ. Right? Sickness, disease, death. Sickness, disease, and injury is all just the fruit of sin and death. Mm-hmm. Well, in the body of Christ, we see sin and death purged. In the body of Christ, we see wholeness. In the body of Christ, we see perfection. In the body of Christ, we see every spot and blemish having been purged. In the body of Christ, we see that he can never die again. It says, likewise, consider yourselves dead to sin. You don't need to consider yourself dead to sin. Consider yourself dead to sin's ability to steal from you. It says Jesus was raised from the dead, never to be able to die again. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be alive from the dead, never to be able to die again. So how can a sickness steal from you if you got a life that can't die? And this is, and don't listen with the carnal mind. Don't listen and come and say, well, are you saying we can't be healed? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> We're not listening. Yeah. Right. We're still laboring for the meat that perishes. 
right? Right. I, I find that's the most complicated thing in the body of Christ is for that carnal mind to just be made to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> shut up. And, and see, that's what the life of God will do. It, it wasn't David considering his own ability when he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine speaking against the people of God? Right. See, sickness will come and try to speak against your life. It will come and try to issue a verdict about your life. It will be like Goliath. It will get all puffed up in your face and say, look at me. Mm -hmm. Look at how I'm destroying your life. Right. Look how strong I am. I am the Almighty. I'm reigning over your life. Go ahead. Try to remove my reign. Right? And then the life of God would stand up and it would rebuke the devourer. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Is this not a man? Is this not a woman that's been plucked out of the fire? Right? Is this not a person that's been perfected by my life? And then Michael comes in and clothes you. Michael comes in, you see yourself swaddled in the life of God. And you start to see that wholeness is in this life, that you have wholeness, you have perfection, you have been perfected from every sickness, disease, you have been perfected from sin and death. <laughs> and you start walking in that, right? right? Man. And listen, it breaks my heart because, listen, people will despise me for saying this. And I've been despised for years for saying this, right? And I've suffered slander and harm and the destruction of my personal life and the, the church here for saying things like this. And all the while, the only reason why I'm saying it is because I love people. And they're being tormented. I promise you this. If what we're teaching about signs, wonders, and miracles sends a person who has a physical ailment away being tormented because they didn't see a healing manifest, that's not the gospel. That's right. The yeah. gospel will send everyone away not feeling tormented. Right. No confusion. We're teaching, the way we're teaching signs, wonders, and miracles is filled with torment and fear. Mm -hmm. That's all the Pharisees wanted. But it will make a lot of money for the ministry. <laughs> right? I mean, I've already, we've already had some people contact us and say that they, that they were healed. So what, what, what would happen now is I'm going to send out a flyer to everybody and talk about all the signs, wonders, and miracles that are happening here at Gospel Revolution Church. And to go get all your friends and come for the signs, wonders, and miracles. Notice how Jesus isn't mentioned in any of that. But the house will be packed out. And you know what else I'll start telling people? I'll start telling people, don't expect God to do anything to heal you unless you give money. And then I'll start quoting the parable of the talents. And I'll fill my coffers. And I'll build a big ministry for myself. And I'll say, look what I've done. And I'll say, it's in the name of the Lord. And I'll feel real puffed up in my chest. Look how holy I am. All the while, I'm making merchandise of people and I'm filling them full of corruptible flesh. I'm not giving them the body of Christ. And I'm sending them off to labor after, after the meat that's perishable. But who cares? Because I got a nice big ministry. And at the end of the day, I get to go home and look at the glory of my ministry. So I don't really care what their lives look like. And if they don't end up getting healed, who cares if they're tormented? They didn't have enough faith. We call that compassion. That's called hatred. That's called pride. That's called self-righteousness. That's called self-love. 
And we don't despise people if they find themselves in that place. They were taught this. But we want to recognize what kind of a life produces that. So we're not deceived by it. We ought not be deceived anymore. Do you know how Satan tries to deceive Christians? Through Christianity. (laughs) You know what he knows about Christians? They want life more than anyone. So now he does a real simple thing. All Christians agree signs and wonders and miracles are good. Now let me get them looking to those things for life. All the while, Jesus said, if that's what you're looking to, the power you have to perform signs, wonders, and miracles. He says that's what caused Satan to fall. And you'll be lifted up in your heart. And that's what it's produced. Right? It's clothed people in the old man. Yeah. Can the new man's life be stolen from? No. Well, then how can we say a sickness can steal from us? How can we say a sickness can kill us or destroy us? When Paul said to reckon yourselves to be alive from the dead, never to be able to die again. And I'm not saying that there isn't a a grappling or a struggle. I'm not saying that these things can't come up and smack you in the face and you can't feel a thing come upon yourself. But listen, man, in that place, let us start to understand what's happening. So we, the body of Christ. And we can start feeding on the body of Christ. And we can start realizing. And we can start laying hold of eternal life. We can start saying, this sickness can't take my life. I thank you, Father, that I'm not one flesh with the body that's dying. That I'm one flesh with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Right? And you start talking with God about that. That's laying hold of eternal life. And I promise you, the nutrients that heal, the nutrients that perform every miracle, sign, and wonder is contained in eternal life. But we think eternal life is about a destination. Yeah. Eternal life, I mean, it's called eternal. Do you know what that means? It's always present. It's outside of time. If it's outside of time, that means it's always in the now. Those are fancy slogans we like, living in the now. you got to be present, brother. Even the world agrees those things are true. They just don't know how to make it happen. I mean, like I said, I think I was telling somebody this. I've been grappling with time. And how Jesus lived outside of time, mm-hmm. right? While he was in a mortal body. Because right. I'm always too rushed. And I saw this watch that doesn't have uh, seconds or minutes on it. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they realize, they're, they're slow, they say it slows down the effect of time. Mm-hmm. Right? It helps you to be present. <laughs> helps you to live in the now. <laughs> Listen, eternal life is the only thing that can help you to live in the now. Because eternal life is always right now. Yeah. And what it's supposed to do to you is to tell you what kind of life you have right now. And it will always tell you that's the kind of life you have wherever you're at right then. Mm. And that will fill you with the faith of God. Mm. Right? Right. Wow. Anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Good. 